When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. The New York Rangers have won the Stanley Cup. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yeah, if, uh, if anybody wants to call me up and tell me what happened to the Rangers on Saturday, Jack Hughes is what happened. <laughs> Did you just turn the music up? <laughs> I know you watched that game. That was an epic one. That was uh, one for the rivalry for ages. Rangers fans try and come over to the Rock and take over Prudential Center and think that they're doing something over in Jersey, and then they got to go all the way back home with an L. That was a good one. The Devils needed that. But anywho, let's get to your calls, 877-337-6666. I've set the table enough. I think in this next hour, I want to get to as many Jets fans as possible. Uh, I didn't grow up as a lifelong Jets fan. I didn't uh, start rooting for them this year. I mean, I've always kind of rooted for them more than the Giants being a Cowboys fan. But this was a year where I actually took the ride. I just saw Robert Sala said, oh, it was a roller coaster ride. Bro, you're the reason. Like, you're supposed to stabilize things. You're supposed to make it so that it's a smooth ride. It's a roller coaster for you. Yeah, well, it was a roller coaster for me too, bro. Because uh, there were a lot of questionable decisions and comments and results from Gang Green. Uh, This year I watched One Jets Drive, and I stopped watching One Jets Drive once it got rocky because... It wasn't great. So let's get to the phones. We've got plenty of people on the line that want to talk. But first off, my guy Josh in the Bronx. You know it. I'm telling you, you're back. Listen, I just have to say, is this true that the Jets only scored three touchdowns in the first quarter this year? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Imagine that. Imagine that in the NFL and and you're going to bring that offensive coordinator back. No way. Not me. Would you consider changing the de- the defensive and offensive coordinator and bringing in an offense, you know, an offensive-minded head coach like the Giants did in Brian Gable? Dave, um, you know what I mean? Come on! I think everything is on the table. I was I was about to, yeah. you know, what? I was about to roll into the oh well, the defense was better, and no, they fell out of it too. So, you know, in evaluating everything, everything is on the table. Nobody's um, job is safe. Um, um, so then you're just going to have to redo the whole thing, unfortunately. When, when look, the, all, these, all, all, all these people were misguided about Zach Wilson drafting him number two. He had a fantastic day at that pro day, and he got that buildup and everything. Oh, we got to draft him, you know. Come on, Mr. Douglas, can you do a better job? Don't listen to the fan base. Weird. Right. You know. It was Trevor Lawrence, Josh. It was Trevor Lawrence until it wasn't. And then as soon as it wasn't, that's where it got wonky. Because it's like, who's number two then? There was a clear-cut one, but not a number two. Let me tell you something. Congratulations to Jacksonville. They finally did something the Jets couldn't do. Get it right. Yeah. Easy Thank call. you for taking my call, Keith. Thanks for the call. I mean, easy call taking Trevor Lawrence. I, I've followed Trevor Lawrence. When uh, QB1 came out and Justin Fields was in QB1, QB1 is like watching, it, it, was, it was a streaming series. I forget which platform it had. It wasn't that big 
when it first came out, it was on like a, a desktop-only platform. I can't remember. It was like a sports streaming platform only. But QB1 came out, and Justin Fields was like this top quarterback in the country. And then um, I remember watching the Elite 11 with Trent Dilfer, which the Elite 11, I got an invite to the Elite 11 when I was coming out of high school for like a regional one, but not the actual Elite 11. The Elite 11 are supposed to be the top 11 quarterbacks in the country. Trent Dilfer runs that. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields met up in the Elite 11. Um, other quarterbacks like Tua and Jameis Winston, I know, were in Elite 11 in their years too. But everybody knew Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were the two guys. And then Justin Fields, UGA tie, uh, out of Georgia, he goes to UGA, and he thinks that he has a chance to unseat Jake Fromm, who just took the team to the national championship. And I remember thinking, okay, they 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 ran some plays for him. They had some series for him, but they did not remove Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm was also in QB1 um, the year before Justin Fields. Go look up QB1. I, I, I'll look it up and, and try and see where we can watch this. Or if you have never watched this, you should watch this. Because these kids aren't secrets. It's QB1 but beyond the lights. And there was three seasons. And uh, it, it featured... Tate Martell and Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. But what I'm getting at is that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields had been the one, two, uh, A, B top quarterbacks in their class from the time they were seniors in high school to the three years that they put in in college. Different college stories. Trevor Lawrence, he gets into college and they're saying this kid is the best NFL prospect we've seen as a freshman. You guys remember the long hair. And Sunshine, they started calling him Sunshine, and, and the kid was as advertised. Uh, he won a national championship uh, with Clemson, uh, I believe. And uh, Justin Fields could not unseat Jake Fromm at UGA, and I, I wondered why. And I think it was busy. you know, he could run the ball. He wasn't a better thrower than Jake Fromm. But then he ended up transferring and going to Ohio State and playing there. And coming out of the draft, I honestly thought it was those two, one and two. I, th I thought the Jets should have drafted Justin Fields. And uh, out of nowhere that season, a COVID season, um, BYU, they, you know, they have this quarterback that arises in Zach Wilson, and uh, they barely played anybody. But they were 11-1 overall, and there was a lot of hype. These are the teams they played. They played against Navy, Army. Troy, Louisiana Tech, University of Texas San Antonio, Houston, Texas State, Western Kentucky, Boise State, North Alabama, Coastal Carolina is the example I always use because I remember watching that game and I remember they lost that game. I played against Coastal Carolina at both schools I went to, so it gave me like a level of competition even though Coastal has gotten better. And I remember they bullied Zach Wilson like to the point where like there was like a benches, benches clearing brawl because of like a late hit on him. Um, San Diego State and UCF, they played in uh, their bowl game. And that is who the Jets fell in love with through the process of, you know, the the pro day, the draft, the combine. And that's who they pivoted to after they beat the Rams and then they fell into the number two pick. They pivoted to, okay, um, who's the top quarterback on our board? And it was Zach Wilson. And I feel like they didn't do enough digging, enough research. They didn't do enough studying of the other quarterbacks. Like, if I'm studying the other quarterbacks and I find out that Justin Fields 
had been linked to Trevor Lawrence since they were seniors in high school, two of the top quarterbacks in the country, as seniors in high school, I probably would have said, hey, we should we should look at Justin Fields. But other teams passed on Fields, too. He fell to the Bears. Trey Lance went before him. Mac Jones went before him. But here we are, fast forward two years after that draft, and uh, Trevor Lawrence, like Josh just said, you know, they did something that the Jets weren't able to do. They got it right with their pick at quarterback. They paired him up with Urban Meyer. That was a mistake. The second year, they get it right. They bring in Doug Peterson, who is known as a quarterback whisperer. And Trevor Lawrence is a different player. And they're in the playoffs now. So going back to the Jets, man, it starts with the draft. And I know Joe Douglas hit on a bunch of guys, but you know the most value, the highest pick you had was that number two overall pick that should have been a one. That's a pick that you can't mess up. Didn't you just draft Sam Darnold a couple years before? Well, the Jets did. Um and now we're in the reality of Jets fans looking at Sam Darnold and Geno Smith. They've gone elsewhere, and they figured it out. They're not the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but they are serviceable starters, and it's kind of like, hey, how come they couldn't have figured it out here? It's it's here. It's this environment. Uh, for some reason, it just doesn't work. And There's a long list of guys that it hasn't worked with, and here we are again with Zach Wilson where it's like, okay, they're going to try. They're not going to quit. They're going to try and get this out of them. But it's going to be hard for that young man to come back from this season. It's going to be hard for that young man to uh, put this behind him. Might as well move on, see what you can get for him. And I don't think Jets fans should be concerned at all about what Zach Wilson potentially could become elsewhere. I, you know, you, you've lived through that already. Can't be worried about that. The focus for Jets fans should be who are they getting in here, not through the draft. I think I saw on Tankathon. Uh, they 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 had the Jets taking the quarterback out of uh, Richardson out of um, Florida. Yep, thirteenth Anthony Richardson, quarter, quarterback, Florida. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do not use that thirteenth overall pick to draft another project quarterback and then mess him up. You, your track record shows that you're not pretty good at, at that, like drafting a quarterback, developing him, getting the most out of him. So go get a veteran, and that's where I think your mind should be as Jets fans. Who is the veteran quarterback that's going to come in next year, whether he's with Mike LaFleur or another OC, and just give us decent quarterback play to the point where we can actually feel like we have a shot to like score points and win an NFL game? The defense you expect to be good again or all right again, better, I would hope, actually, the way they bottomed out. And you just need a guy that can get Garrett Wilson the ball. And then in the beginning of the season, I don't know, maybe they draft a running back. I mean, you, you see Brees Hall coming back, but he's not going to be back in the first, like, I don't know, eight weeks of the season. But you need a run game. Maybe use that 13th overall pick to take a, a lineman. Um, on Tankathon, they've only got two offensive linemen coming off the board, and they're coming off at picks 11 and 12. If if you get the 13 with that pick, draft the best offensive lineman. Can't bank on Makai Becton. Shout out to him, though. I saw he lost some weight. But you can't be banking on him for another year. I don't know. All right, to the phones again. Let's see what we've got. I want to hear from you guys. Aiden in Dix Hills on the fan. What's up, Aiden? What's up? What's up, dude? Uh, I just want to talk about uh, Robert uh, Joe Douglas a little bit. I think he's getting a little bit too much praise for that 2022 draft. If you look at his four-year record, they're 20 and 45. He's missed on the offensive line. He's completely missed on the quarterback. I don't understand why he's not more in the hot seat. Is this offense really better than what it was when he took over in 2019? I just want to know because I feel like his free agent picks, the line he has not fixed, and the quarterback have been a complete disaster. And he drafted a complete bust at number two. So what makes you think he's going to make a great selection at 13 this year 
and why are we so confident in this guy moving in the future? Because his best record is 7-10, and 10, even with the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year. So I don't understand why his seat is not completely – completely burning right now and why he's guaranteed in a year next year. He shouldn't I don't get be. it personally. Great call. Great call because I'll say this and, and thanks for the call, Aiden. I I think we assume that he's safe because Sauce Gardner is as advertised or was. Uh, Garrett Wilson was as advertised. Hold on now, folks. I told you that Georgia was just going to smoke TCU. Well, TCU has answered back. They had one big play and uh, this has been their team all year. They fight. They are underdogs. They don't have all the top recruits, but their new coach and uh, their whole mantra, like they're never out of a game. They they will claw and scratch back. So we've got a game, folks. It's 10-7. Uh, Max Duggan just ran one in, and uh, now you're looking at TCU a little differently. I am. I'm like, okay, they put a drive together. You need an immediate answer. I just think uh, overall, though, Georgia's got way more talent. They're going to outlast them. But that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Maybe you – Bet the under in the first half. Maybe you bet them the cover for the whole game. So that's a good sign if you did. But, uh, yeah, back to, to Joe Douglas. You know what? I think he also gets credit for the uh, the trade and getting those picks uh, from Seattle. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about him, honestly, Jets fans. You've seen him over these last couple years. And you know why I also don't you know necessarily feel like his seat is hot? He's the GM. And uh, here's another parallel uh, with the team that shares the stadium with you, right? Dave Gettleman got ripped a ton. Like He was responsible for, you know, the last six years of struggle. But now that he's not there anymore and you're looking at some of the players that he chose, uh, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas, uh, Sexy Dexy, like he, he hit on some of those picks. He hit on some, like there's not that much talent on the roster, but... Those, you know, some of those top picks that he picked, he hit on them. They weren't bust. Um, for Joe Douglas, you know, he hit on some picks, but I think they were just like the obvious picks to make based off of your need and who was available, right? So I remember being at the draft at the FanDuel spot in MetLife with the whole gang and uh, sitting on the stage with Kim Jones and Salicata and BT and Evan and Gio and everybody else. And the first corner taken was Derek Stingley. You needed a corner. You may have preferred Sauce Gardner over Stingley, but whatever, when that number four pick came, he was available for you. You take him off the board. The kid didn't give up anything in college. He really didn't give up much in the NFL either. So then you keep going, and now you get to pick 10, and... Drake London comes off the board as a wide receiver to the Atlanta Falcons at eight. So you have your pick of the top three receivers between Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, and Garrett Wilson. Jamison Williams was hurt. The Jets were not in a position to take a guy that wouldn't be able to return until, I don't know, week 15 when he did return for the Lions. I know Chris Olave had a good Chris Olave had a good season. For New Orleans as well. But you know what? I feel like they needed a playmaker, a receiver. Um, if you saw this kid at Ohio State, you saw the shiftiness, the uh, athletic ability, being able to run and jump and, and shake guys off and break tackles and get off the press. You know, Garrett Wilson being taken at, at 10, like he arguably could have gone eight to Atlanta. I, I honestly thought he was better than Drake London. And I, I remember not wanting to see another USC kid get drafted to come and playing in New York, New Jersey, whatever. 
But call me up if you think Douglas' seat should be hot as well. I mean, I think uh, it, 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 it shouldn't be as hot as Gettleman's was, but I think Gettleman was coming to the end of the contract, whatever they knew they were moving on from him. Um, but no, you got to look at everything. If I'm Woody Johnson, somebody has to be held responsible for this. And if you're the GM that took Zach Wilson and you put him with this brand-new coaching staff, I don't know. It was negligent. It did not work. It hasn't worked. And it, and it looks like, you know, even with LaFleur coming out there to say, yeah, in, in hindsight, we should have had him sit for a year. You you should have known that within the first couple weeks of training camp. And you probably did. You you knew it. I knew it when he went out on the field in MetLife. And I go to that first game, that opening game. And I'll never forget the parking lot was lit. It was epic tailgate weather. MetLife Stadium, that's the most excited I've seen Jets fans in a long time as far as getting the J-E-T-S, Jets, getting that going. That was going all through the parking lot as you enter the stadium, and then this kid throws three interceptions on his first three attempts. I had never seen that before. So much to the point where I was, like, blown away that that even happened in an NFL game, and I didn't uh, waste too much time heading for the exit not long after that. But you knew that that kid was in over his head when his first home game, he throws three interceptions on his first three attempts. He's not reading the defense. He's not seeing what's in front of him. And then you wait all last year. He gets hurt, comes back. And then this year he gets hurt in the beginning. That's another thing. Like We don't know about his durability. He's not the, the biggest, strongest guy. But through hell or high water, they're going to get it out of him. All right, let's take another break here. 820. Uh, call me up 877-337-6666. I got eyes on the national championship. It's 10-7 Georgia uh, in that Knicks game. I'm looking at the Knicks holding it down. It's 40-36 to in the garden. So far, uh, let me see. Did Giannis, is Giannis alive? Giannis only has six points. Okay, so far so good. Keith McPherson on the fan. Call me up. We'll be right back. Let him have it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Moving right along tonight on the fan. Keith McPherson with you till 12. Let's continue. So, Paulie corrected me. And you know what? These things happen, honestly. Uh... We're not always going to be perfect with what we say as far as, like, history and stuff. And I forget exactly how it played out. But I think I might have said that uh, Mac Jones was drafted before Justin Fields. No, the way that it went down, um, it was Trey Lance who was drafted right after Zach Wilson. And then Justin Fields. So Trey Lance was taken third after Zach Wilson was taken second. And that just happened to be the quarterback that I think the San Francisco 49ers fell in love with, especially with him coming out of North Dakota State, right? You, you talk about uh, Zach playing at BYU in front of no one. Um, North Dakota State is is a juggernaut, though, in, in the uh, FCS ranks. But Justin Fields, it, it should have been one, two. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, in my opinion. And Justin Fields dropped to number 11 where Chicago took him. And then, like, as I'm looking at these names, like, there was just some can't-miss guys. Like, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Panay Sewell, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan. I remember the Cowboys needed a corner. I wanted one of J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan, and they both came off the vo- off the board. Then Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, goes to Philadelphia. You guys remember how this all 
played out with the NFC East and the Cowboys just take the best defensive player in Micah Parsons. But uh, years from now, um, we're going to look at this draft. At least the Jets were able to hit on Elijah Vera Tucker at uh, 14. But I think years from now, if uh, Zach Wilson never becomes, people are going to look at the amount of talent in this draft that came into the league and just really shake their heads at, like, how do you have the number one pick for most of the season prior, and then late in the season you go to number two, and you end up taking this kid, you end up taking this guy, and there were so many other talented players available. Like, it's funny, Kyle Pitts is is a question mark right now, but when the Falcons took him over at, at four overall, you're thinking he's coming in and, you know, he's uh, going to be a big weapon for them and have a bunch of – they haven't figured out how to – get the most out of Kyle Pitts yet either. But, yeah, it's like there's so many good players. Even as you go down, like Travis Etienne was uh, picked 25th overall. Um, there's some good players that end up going later in that draft. Uh, whatever. It's all in the past. But tonight let's focus on, you know, where do the Jets go? You know, where does Woody Johnson take this team? Does he sit back and say, okay, you know what? Uh, injuries and, uh, you know, some other things didn't go our way. Let's run it back. Let's give this team another shot with the same leadership, the same guys. Or does he blow it up? Now, it doesn't have to be completely blown up, but I think it's it's worth looking at. I think that the GM is going to be safe because of the picks that he hit on and because of the trades that he's made. But he's part of this too. The head coach I'm not sold on at all. I wasn't sure about him in the first year. Um, you know, the slogans on the T-shirt, the running the bleachers. Um, I'm sure he's a nice guy. And and uh, it's always, you know, good to say that when you're talking about someone in their job. Like, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure people like him. He seems like a cool dude. But we're talking about the job he did coaching. This is his first NFL head coaching gig. He was a defensive coordinator. And so far, not so good. And this year he let his emotions get the best of him and kind of turned on the fans and on the media with the uh, receipts comment. And we all kind of knew right there that, uh, yeah, there's a higher chance that we have receipts on you more so than you have receipts on anybody else. And there are a ton. I don't think people are even really calling them receipts. It's just the same old Jets. It's like we tried to warn you, Coach. We told you there's some powers in this Jets organization that are stronger than what you think or what you know or you feel you could do. And uh, this is the year of the non-quarterback in a league where you need two quarterbacks. And they say if you've, if you've got two, if you got three, you don't have one. The Jets didn't have one. And the season started the way it ended with Joe Flacco on the field. And, I mean, I, I don't know what anyone expected to see out of Joe Flacco. I guess better than Zach. But, like, what is that really saying? And I, I, if, if it's me, you know, I had a show one night where I really looked into Mike LaFleur's background, and I want to bring that up again. Uh, if it's me, I, I, I don't have time for Sala to grow into a better head coach. I don't have time for his buddy to grow into a better offensive coordinator. The time is now. And uh, when I, I remember looking up LaFleur's record, or not his record, but his resume, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Uh, he was an offensive intern with the Cleveland Browns. Um, he was in that like Shanahan coaching tree with the Atlanta Falcons as an offensive assistant uh, with the 49ers. 
you know, he, he got a little bit more of responsibility as the uh, passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach. And then when uh, Robert Sala got the job in New York, I think we've heard something along the lines, like he said he promised him an opportunity if he ever got a head coaching job. And he followed Rob Sala from the Niners to the Jets and became the Jets' offensive coordinator. This is his first time being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. And something else I had also said was, like, where did he play? What did he do? And I and I hate to throw out there that, like, his brother is a head coach in the NFL, and people question that, like, where'd this guy come from? But, man, a lot of times these guys get hired based off of who they know and not what they know, and such is life. We know that goes on everywhere. Someone will get a job over someone more qualified because they're liked, because they're friends, because people pick who they want to work with. Well, I don't think they should be, uh, you know, granted another year of that. I think you you find the best guy for the job. And for the Jets, it's about finding that quarterback and then pairing him up with an OC. You can't find a quarterback and then have him come in and just say, Michael LaFleur is your OC, because what if they don't see eye to eye? Uh, what if they don't mesh well and you're in another disaster and now you actually have a quarterback? You just didn't have the right offensive coordinator. All right, I've said enough. Let's get back. To the phones, let's go to John in Bayshore, New York, on the fan. Go for it, John. Keith, i got to tell you, it's just brutal being a Jets fan. And I've got so much I want to say. I, I could take up an hour, but I won't. You remember the line from uh, the movie The Godfather? Just when I thought I was out, they sucked me back in again. <laughs> of course. That's, that's <laughs> Holy crow, man, that's the Jets. I thought this season, you know, they brought in the quarterback. You know, we started out well. Even in the game against um, the Patriots, I thought, okay, here we go. we got OT, and the ball gets run back. The Jets can't even lose when they need to lose. That's how we wound up without yep. Trevor Lawrence. That's how we wound up with Zach Wilson. This is, this is amazing. I mean, and as far as the coordinator and the head coach, I, man, that's been a carousel. I, I kind of want to stick with these guys just for the sake of looking at the fact at the beginning of the season, coordinator looked pretty good when he had, you know, Zach playing halfway decent. And then when Mike White came in, you know, then you take the second half of the season, you got an injured Zach, you know, you had Mike White come in, then he, then he got injured. There, there was a lot going on. You can't court, you can't be an offensive coordinator without a running game when your lead running back gets injured and you have no quarterback. I mean, it is, it's tough. And I, I, I don't think you can fire these guys and bring in a new regime unless, like you said, we're bringing in a veteran quarterback and by the way, how many years have you seen so many veteran quarterbacks become available? Yeah, this is incredible. This is a great opportunity. This for is the, the off season, yeah. So, like you know, out of all the things that go wrong for the Jets, here comes an off season where you've got a few options to choose from. And uh, you know, going back to what you said about Lafleur, yeah, when when the, the whole thing about being a coordinator is you're supposed to coordinate the offense when the sky falls and you lose Brees Hall. Or you have a young guy. You're supposed to be creative in how you go about approaching oh, you, the game plan. And he didn't. He didn't have any prior experience besides 2021. I, I understand that, but but what do you do? What do you do when you lose? You know, you lose your running back. You've got it, and you've got a quarterback. My God, he was drafted second. He can't hit an open receiver. They're talking about him having poor footwork. I've never heard that's anything like this in my life. Dude. Yeah, that's on this the Jets. What, what were you doing with him in practice? What were you doing with him I in don't... OTAs? What were you doing with him in the offseason? When the, when the players but, but went out there you... to visit him, 
what was he just going through his own reps and drills? Like, I don't know. But why do you why do you have to fix a quarterback that was drafted second? You have yeah, you to shouldn't. fix his footwork. Yeah, no, Are you, you shouldn't. Kidding me? Only the Jets. Only the Jets, Keith. This is insane. By the way, I'm a Cowboys fan as well. And what what happened to this team in the last few weeks? <laughs> well, we can talk about that another time. Uh, There's so much to digest. Yeah, I, you said Jets. you might you might need a, more time if we actually start talking <laughs> about the Cowboys. We, I'll need another we, five we hours. Should, we should grab a beer. <laughs> so anyway, it is it's amazing being a Jets fan. I'm telling you, it's nothing like it. And again, when you'd say to yourself, "I'm done. I'm not going back," they give you reason to come back. Then they can't even lose when they need to lose, so we get the number one quarterback, and look where yeah. we are. Amazing. It's, it's incredible. Amazing. Thanks for the call, Thanks for John. the time, Keith. Appreciate it. You bet. Yeah. <laughs> like, the pain of the Jets fans, right? Um, <laughs> you, you were supposed to, you know, tank for Trevor. You had Trevor Lawrence. And I feel like, you know, from the Adam Gase era, like, that was all a mistake. Uh, this was a sign of things to come. Um, I remember when I first saw Zach Wilson, even when they drafted him, I'm like, he looks like a little boy. He looks like a little kid. And these are grown men that play in the NFL. Th- these are the, the biggest, strongest, fastest grown men playing football at the highest level. It is not for a little boy to walk into. And if you're going to draft that little boy, you better be prepping him. You better be preparing him. How in year two... Is he not able to complete a little screen pass, throwing the ball out to Braxton Berrios? Just not even for positive yards, just swinging the ball out to the side. Like, I don't know. That that falls on the Jets and the coaching. And I and I understand, you know, Zach Wilson is at fault as well. You're in the NFL. You're drafted to be an NFL quarterback. I, I hear that he puts in the film time and he puts in the work, but you're at fault some too. Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. You can't have so many. He's had so many bad showings. He's like throwing the ball away and that turning into an interception. It can't happen. Like you've got to take some accountability on that. That's not. That's not the coaches, right? No coach coached you to try and throw the ball away and turn it over. Like that's on him. But talk about just a mess. You know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. The same old Jets. It it is remarkable. And we talk a lot about, um, you know, the Knicks. And only the Knicks can out-Nick the the Knicks and the Mets. So, Metsy as it gets. Only the Mets can out-Mets the Mets. But, no, the the Knicks have figured out a couple things. I think they'll be all right. You know, they were the four seed a couple years ago. They've got a legit point guard now. They should be a playoff team. The Mets won 101 games. You know, they figured things out. When is that going to happen for the Jets? When are the Jets going to look around town and say, hey, we can't be the laughing stock. We can't be the worst team in town forever. And we also can't be the team with the longest drought in the NFL as far as playoffs. Like, there are talented players on this team, and that's frustrating for these talented players, right? The last call, John said, you know, when you have a Brees Hall, well, you, you know, Brees Hall was also a rookie. And we all knew he was a really good college player, but we didn't know he was going to have the same impact in the NFL. You you only got a small sample size of him. You should have been prepared, right? You hit on that rookie, and he gets hurt. He's a running back. He's going to take some hits. You should have been prepared. I don't know. They I think they should draft another running back and then pair up him with uh, Brees Hall when Brees Hall comes back. You need a run game. You need a run game. You need a run game in the NFL. They had no run game. They can't. They could not run the ball. So much to the point they're scared to run the ball. And when you can't run the ball in the NFL, 
these these defensive coordinators that have been doing this for a long time, these defensive players, they they start to get a beat on what you're doing. I think Garrett Wilson said something like that today. Like, yeah, defense could tell what we were doing. Yeah, because it's not that complicated. They had to simplify it because you didn't have a quarterback and you didn't have a running back. So how much can you really do? And and when I was saying earlier, like, get creative. Try some different formations. Send somebody in motion. Maybe some trickery. They they couldn't even pull that off. It's the Jets. They would have been throwing interceptions, fumbling, probably had a legal procedure, uh, flags for guys not lining up the right way. Only the Jets. Up in Harlem, Jarvis, keep it real on the fan like you've been. You've been a, a Jets fan that has called in, and you didn't get excited over too many things this season. Continue with that thought. Yeah, but I didn't even see the game, but you know, it doesn't really matter. I didn't I mean, even see the game. Yeah, but I didn't really matter. But it's like, you know, it's week 18 because, you know, it doesn't matter who saw Mike White, Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco. It doesn't really matter. They only scored six points the whole quarter, the whole, um, the whole game. So, three, and the last three games that have a score, a touchdown in three games against Jacksonville, Seattle, and the Miami season finale. So, it's just, it's just ridiculous, man. So, and then, and then and all I hear from it, so I was listening to Joe, uh, like I listened to Craig Carton and and um and Ever Roberts this afternoon. He's talking about like there's a quarterback, there's um um veteran quarterback available in the free and he said talk about Aaron Rodgers going to be available the minute. I'm like you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, like no. I mean, like, Aaron Rodgers not come to the Jets. I mean, why would he want to come to the Jets? He signed a four year contract. Why would he leave Green Bay? He want to sign with the um. Um, so why would you leave Green Bay and sign with the Jets, man? I mean, I don't. They're not um, one way to make it to um, playoffs, man. So it's just it's just frustrating, but you know. So I mean that. Um, so and um, you know, and then and then and then it comes down to it comes down to oh, the Woody Johnson doesn't get involved in the in the Jets, and then we and then he talk and then we talking about like um. Like how, how how are we going to make a decision for Woody Johnson? So, yeah, and he shows up late in the season, and it's like, yo, it's too late now. You should have stepped in before they lost six in a row. Like, where where you been? And we heard about him being overseas. Like, if it's your team and you own the team, this is the NFL. Like, you hear from Jerry Jones every single week, and honestly, Jerry Jones should step back some. But yeah, like, he never talked to the media. Yeah, yeah but these NFL owners are visible. Jim Ursay, yeah. he, he's doing full-on uh, interviews and documentaries, and uh, mm-hmm. his team is terrible right now, and they're, they're, they're available. Arthur Blank is on the field. Uh, you can go through a long list of owners that are right there next to their teams. You can't just hire these guys and, and, and fade, fade into the background, or you're going to get the same results you've been getting with the Jets. I, I do think Woody Johnson deserves some blame, too. People should be looking at him with a side eye. Exactly, exactly. Then you know, talking about like um, then talking about, and then 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 on the weekend, I saw here Joe Benigno talking about like, well, the Jets got to win twelve games next year. Like, I mean, what gives you? Well, how do you know they're gonna win twelve games? Yeah, like, I, I just what, went through the schedule for next year. The teams that you're playing are just teams that already on paper are better yep. than you. And if they have a good exactly. offseason and you don't, like you, like now, I think the the, the Jets set themselves back a little bit because like. You drafted a quarterback number two overall, and what mm-hmm. they say is in year two, you're supposed to know if he's the guy or not, and they still mm-hmm. don't know that answer. We don't think he's the guy, but internally they think that they can get it out of him in year three. But now you, yeah. he's not your starter. You need another quarterback, 
and he can't you can't go into week one with him the starter. So the the organization is set back again. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah because you look at all the AFC conference gonna be good next year. Look, you look at the AFC West got uh, AFC West gonna be tough, and then the um, AFC South you got Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, and the South look uh, but Tennessee and um, and um, Jacksonville and the AFC East. You know Buffalo is gonna be the team to be in that division. And then you got the Miami and the Patriots. So I don't know how to just go and try to fight for the wild card and try to make the playoffs next year. So it's going to be tough for the Jets. So. It is going to be tough. And just to stay in the hunt and stay alive, they need a veteran <laughs> quarterback. Thanks for the call, Jarvis. Appreciate you, bro. Um, I'll say this before we go to break. I wouldn't put a dollar on Aaron Rodgers coming here. Aaron Rodgers doesn't even know if he wants to play where he literally made all of it. He was talking last night about how he's made generational wealth and how good the organization has been and all of a sudden he needs time. He's not considering playing for the Jets. I don't know why we entertain those conversations. Tom Brady? You think Tom Brady wants to move from Florida to Jersey to quarterback the team that he killed for two two decades? Like, I don't know where these thoughts come from. To me, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. It's Derek Carr. And then if you got to go under there, like, I think I heard someone call up and say Jacoby Brissett today. I, I know that's not the answer, but that's actually more realistic. A Jacoby Brissett or a Gardner Minshew or an Andy Dalton or one of those types. But really, Jets fans should be hoping for a, a trade of Dev- Derek Carr, which I don't know if you want to give up the assets that it's going to take to get Carr. Or I think they actually might cut him. Um, or Jimmy Garoppolo, who just signed a one-year deal. You can just sign him. You need a veteran quarterback in here, enough playing around with draft picks or trying to get out uh, some type. You're not going to – There's, in my opinion, there's no way that they get Zach Wilson to be a legit NFL quarterback in one offseason. And it is what it is. Keith McPherson on the fan, uh, getting close to 9 o'clock. Let's take this next break here. More of your calls right after this. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Hey. Right back at it on The Fan. Little LL Cool J. To bring us back in. I'm in here watching this uh, national championship game. and <laughs> Georgia is up 24 to 7. So, I mean, the last update I gave you, you know, I said TCU battled back. It was 10 nothing, then 10 7. But, you know, these guys are soul searching right now. They know they're in over their heads. Their defensive coordinator is screaming. And there's nothing he can do, right? There's nothing he can do. Uh, when you look at Georgia, who won the national championship last year, and you look at where TCU was last year, I mean, they were 5-7. and seven. And here you go with the story of Stetson Bennett, this, this 25-year-old walk-on, and he's about to go back-to-back championships, be a legend between the hedges in Georgia. And they've got a bunch of kids on this team. Like, like I said, I'm like, these are future NFL guys playing in their last college game, some of them, and... There's not that many NFL guys over there on TCU. Uh, Ladanian Tollinson's uh, cousin or nephew, something like that. Hodges Tollinson, I guess, is somebody over there. But, you know, all in all, what I'm trying to say is there's just a weight class. And Georgia is in a higher weight class because they recruit the top kids in the country. The top kids in the country are not considering TCU. Maybe if they grew up in in Texas, uh, maybe if, you know, 
they grew up rooting for uh, Ladanian Tollinson, but this game, I'm watching, they're just running the ball on them. They're gashing them. And up front, it's no contest. So, yeah, uh, three minutes left in the half. I expect Georgia to score here and go in at halftime up 31-7. And then that's all she wrote, folks. Like, second half, there's no coming back from that. I know we've seen some crazy things happen in the college football playoff and in the second half of games. But just looking at these guys, like like this this kid from Georgia, number zero right there that plays tight end, he is a man. He's a grown man. It's like it's literally uh, varsity versus JV, not even. It's 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 college versus like freshman ball. When you're looking at how you know big some of these guys are on the line for Georgia, they're NFL guys. TCU's got a couple guys that uh might make the league, but not a full roster. So yeah, national championship as far as I'm concerned is over. Uh, not much to report on there. Like I said, the yardage-wise, TCU has 120 total yards. Georgia now, I think, has 300 in the first half. They're they're completely dominating them. Rushing, TCU has 25 yards rushing. Georgia has a 124. Um, Georgia goes back-to-back. And, and, you know, Paulie said to me, how did TCU beat Michigan? And I'm like, that game, that game was swayed in the beginning. Michigan should have went up 7 nothing, couldn't score, and then there was a pick six, and then momentum is everything. Um, I forget where that game was played. Maybe it was played where there was more Texas folks in the crowd. Uh, maybe it was played where it wasn't that loud for Michigan's fans and more showed up for TCU. I forget. I watched the game, but either way, I know people don't really care too much about the national championship. When you meet the Georgia Bulldogs, you're going to feel that Bulldog bite. And uh, they're about to be 15-0 national champions. Anyway, back to the phones. We still have some Jets fans to talk to. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Uh, we'll, we'll get to one real quick here and then one before, um, when we come back from uh, the break. Let's go to Jack in Rockaway, Queens on the fan. I'm good. What's up, Jack? Oh, I uh, usually call you about the uh, about the Nets, but uh, today I'll talk a little Jets. Um, with, with their situation, I, I don't know. I, I disagree. I, I disagree with you a few subjects on the matter. One is drafting uh, a running back. You, you got Priest Paul. The kid looks like a beast. You could always get a running back, a veteran, on, on a, you know, on a cheap free agent. Even Leonard Fournette, he makes like four million a year. Uh, as far as the quarterback. You really don't have much choices. I, I think Garoppolo, like you said, is probably your number one choice. You have to keep Wilson because you got to pay him $9 million regardless. And you can't just throw it away. And you, even, a, even a backup is going to cost you that. So I would keep Wilson. I'll go for Garoppolo. I would dream that Brady just has a, has a, a, a desire to, to restore his legacy and win with the Jets. But that's probably not going to happen, like you said. I think they should really – it sounds crazy, but Daniel Jones and the Jets would be – they, the Giants didn't pick him up. They could have picked him up for $21 million option this year. They let it go. So he's a free agent. Imagine him on the Jets. They hit, they had Priest Hall and, and Wilson. Those two were the number one and number two for, at the time, uh, offensive rookies of the year. Thoris Gardner looks like a stud. And this team, uh, you know, I, I got to give Salah another chance. I, 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 the guy seems like a genuine guy. I don't like these phony coaches or like these Mangini's or these uh, – you know, he seems like a, a decent guy and, and, a, and a true guy, and I got to give him one more chance. And the, the, the heat should be on the uh, the general manager because that draft, like you said a few minutes ago, was stacked to no end. 
I'm looking at the same thing when they took Wilson. I'm like, how? what do you see that in this kid that's great? His preseason stunk in his rookie year. His his whole season, he, he showed nothing. I don't know. You're a professional general manager. I don't know how the heck you could draft this guy and say, on like, what what leg do you stand on? He's got a great arm. He he played a top competition. He he had he he looked like a non uh, like a nondescript prospect. I don't. I and there was a big drop off from him from Lawrence. And this is the reason why the, the Sacramento Kings draft every year in the lottery, and then you have the. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who was over 500 for 16 years in a row without ever signing a free agent, and the Ravens, this mm-hmm. is organizational. And we, we, uh, the Jets chose to to not uh, to, to lose that one extra to win that one extra game in a generational co- uh, quarterback Lawrence. And this is why the Giants have four Super Bowls. They do what's best for the organization. Right, sitting out everybody the last game of the season, getting ready for the playoffs with nothing to you know playing a meaningless game. Organizations make these these uh, these change, these uh, decisions, and this is the reason why the Jets are one of the laughing stocks of of all sports. Thanks for the call, Jack. Not going to add to that. He said a bunch, but I agree with a lot of that. I mean, the more things change, the more things stay the same. It's the same old Jets. Like they just have to look in the mirror. But when they look in the mirror, they think they're the Pittsburgh Steelers. They look in the mirror, they think they're the New England Patriots. They're not. Keith McPherson on the fan. I got to throw to the break and the update. Marco Belletti coming up with that. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the fan.